The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. This is Dave Allison. I've got two awesome guests with me for this episode. We have a familiar face for probably a lot of you, maybe not a familiar face, but at least a familiar name in Kayla Mackey. Kalem is our Executive Vice President at Clarity Insurance Marketing. Number one, he helps oversee our entire business development team working on a day-to-day -day basis with our top advisors for life insurance, annuities, asset-based long-term care. But many of you might not also know that Kalem is an advisor just like you and I. Kalem is a CFP, runs his own retail practice with business partner Brian Mann, who is the president of Clarity Insurance Marketing and has been doing so for the last couple decades. So welcome to the episode, Kalem. Great to be here, Dave. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I put myself on a pedestal of all of our other advisors. I, I might still be a step below them, but very, very excited to be here. Well, you got a full-time job now being the advisor to the advisor. Exactly. So uh, that's, uh, that's where we'll focus. And then next, the uh, guest today is one of our top advisors at C2P Enterprise, somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect for and Walter Young. And Walter is the president of One Strategic, strategic Capital Hopefully I don't stutter all over my words this entire episode, but I've been so impressed with Walter since the day I met him. I remember he flew out to Cleveland from Washington to meet with Jason and I after hanging out with Jason at a Forum 400 meeting. And what really kind of, you know, piqued my interest is I think most of you know me, I'm, I'm a pretty analytical person and I would say Walter, Walter can, can match that. And I think for anyone else on the line that's analytical in nature, it sometimes is a challenge or an art form to push that aside and be able to properly communicate with prospects and clients because at the end of the day, they sometimes don't like the numbers as much as we do. But Walter is just an amazing communicator and has the ability to articulate, you know, really what I would say the math and the science behind what we do to help people prepare for retirement. Walter is in the process of releasing a book, which I've had the opportunity to read and it's fantastic. Walter, just, just pique their interest. What's the name of the book that you're in the process of pushing out? The name of the book is called The Fifth Option. And it really revolves around retirement income planning pretty at any age, really. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, just a couple of years away from retirement planning, but the quick 30 seconds, you know, synopsis of is when you sit down with traditional retirement planners, they'll usually run through some sort of financial planning software. At the end of it, they're going to project some sort of retirement income. And most people are not necessarily satisfied with that projection looks like. And so their advisor will give them four options. They will tell them that they can save more money, which is never exciting. They could take more risk in the market, which most people who are getting close to retirement are trying to do the opposite. They can start to work longer or they can just capitulate and, and live on less. And what most advisors don't understand or don't communicate is there actually is a fifth option. 
And that is the basis of the book is to go into how there's some other options that exist in our industry. Well, and Walter, and we're going to speak a little bit about your background and how you, you got to this. And, and the topic today that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about is lifetime income and specifically using the A word, right? The annuity to generate lifetime income. And recently we did a, an episode of our Thirsty Thursday where we had Walter and Dr. Wade Fow, which I think most people in our industry know Wade Fow. He's the professor of retirement income for the American College. He's the program director for the RICP. He's probably the most academically sophisticated person that I've ever met in terms of retirement income distribution planning. And we did this call, but it was amazing. Like the whole audience was gearing questions to Walter and not to <laughs> Professor Fow. And I think it's because Walter has a lot of the same academic validation and knowledge, but you put it into kind of real world context that people can know, you know, you're, you're from the streets, if you will. And so I want to, I want to kind of outline some of that today, but a lot of that was derived from some of your corporate experience. Why don't you talk about that real quick and how you took that and then started applying it to the individuals? That yeah, it's a great question. It's a lot of fun to talk about it. So, uh, I, so I took a little bit of a different path and got an MBA in finance, worked for a, a worldwide consulting company where we did a lot of corporate strategy, corporate work for uh, large corporations in the United States. And, and one of the things I began to connect was that Corporate finance and personal finance both share the same word finance, but they manifest themselves in different ways. Meaning corporate finance is all about cash flow metrics and earnings. If you go into CNBC, you can hear them all talking about some sort of cash flow metric. In fact, I had a really fun conversation about 10, 12 years ago with the president of a large insurance company. And I challenged him what he thought his most important component of his business was. And he told me it was his balance sheet. And so I took a chance, which if you know this guy, is, was a risky chance. And I said, I don't believe that's true. And we had a little argument and I talked to him and I said, I think cash flow is more important than your balance sheet. And sure enough, in the morning, he emailed me saying, yeah, my balance sheet is certainly important, but you're right. The balance sheet is only as good as it can turn into cash flow. And so that was kind of the beginnings of my connectivity of saying, you know, individuals are nothing more than just small companies. And in fact, you know, they have, you know, we have taxes, we have assets, liabilities, incomes, expenses, all the same kinds of things that we would look at in a corporation. And as corporations look to maximize shareholder value, I would argue that us at around our kitchen tables as the owners of our own little companies are also looking to maximize shareholder value as, you know, we are the owners of our own, you know, we are the shareholders and our kids are the junior shareholders, right? But I think the metric change in personal financial planning somehow is a balance sheet focus, right? When you sit down with, with advisors or individuals, people want to start talking about their balance sheet. How much money have I saved? How much money am I saving? And I call that a BS approach, right? Balance sheet is a BS approach because no matter how good I do with my balance sheet, I still have to turn it into cash flow at some point. You know, I can't go to a grocery store with a million dollar 401k statement. I can't buy a thing with it. I have to be able to turn that into cash flow. And the efficiency and the predictability of which I can do that is what really is going to give people that, that, you know, that anxiety-free retirement. And so what I started to think about is just merging those two concepts, which is run your house like a business, right? Understand what really matters. CNBC and, and you know, the conversation you see with the CFOs, a company is rewarded when it has good predictable earnings, right? That's when they get rewarded, right? Especially when they beat the prediction of the earnings. 
there's not a balance sheet conversation for the most part, right? Nobody really cares how many zeros are on your balance sheet. It's just what kind of earnings can shareholders expect to receive? Well, that's no different than us at our homes. I could have a balance sheet. We could have two people with the same balance sheet. We could have totally different retirement distributions from it. One person's gonna be happier than the other based on that efficiency or the plan for how they will turn the balance sheets into income. And so that was kind of the path I've taken to this point in terms of my planning. That's awesome. I love that. And you know, the first time, Walter, I heard you talk about the BS plan, right? The balance sheet plan. I think we were out to dinner when you came to Cleveland and it just like hit me. And I, I can't tell you how many client meetings I've used that in now. And it just starts to click, right? And it gets clients focused on, to your point, what really matters in retirement. And you know, I think there's been numerous studies done, right? And like the correlation of retirement happiness with guaranteed income. Caleb, I think you, you know, we have some articles on that at, at Clarity Insurance Marketing. And I look at some of the, the clients that I hear the least from are like the ones who have these big pensions and enough cash flow yeah. where they're not even going to spend what they have in a single year, right? They don't care necessarily in any given month or quarter if the market's up or down because they know they have really strong cash flow. Yeah, it's interesting. And Walter, you especially with the balance sheet you mentioned, like that that's a relatively modern phenomenon, right? Like you know, my, one of my kids was reading, I think it was Little Women. And if you if you look at some of these old books, like when they talk about wealthy people, it, it was all about how much cash flow came out of their properties. Like, like, you know, what they cash flowed on a monthly basis. That was, that was your measure of wealth. And somewhere in the, you know, the modern era, we, we've transformed to it's the size of your 401k or your 403b. And, and we've kind of lost sight, I think, sometimes of the importance of that cash flow, um, especially as people get to retirement. And, and Dave, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a direct correlation with, with cash flow in retirement and, and happiness in retirement. It's like, you know, a one-to-one -one metric, basically. Not only is there a correlation, there's some studies that show that people are more scared to run out of money than they are to die. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that as for a second, right? That's, that's top of mind of what people are worried about. And you're absolutely right. If we think about a hundred years ago, retirement didn't exist. There was no such thing as retirement because you didn't live long enough to retire, quite frankly. Right. And it wasn't until we had this combination of better health care, longer life expectancies and things like pensions and social security that began to put together a floor for people that you really started to have this modern day idea of a retirement plan. In a really weird way, we've come full circle, which is now we're at a place where we don't have the retirement, you know, the pensions that we used to have. And Social Security, some people could argue, is a little bit shaky, but we still have these enormously long life expectancies. So in a weird way, we are right back to financial planning that we were back in the early 1900s with the big problem, which is we're going to live 30 years longer than those guys did. And so creating this retirement income is the big conundrum now, right? And that's why I think we really want to focus on that a balance sheet is a great indicator of future success, but it's not a guarantee. We still got to turn it into an income of some kind and hopefully a predictable income. And I think, you know, as we transition to the topic at hand of generating lifetime income and using annuities, I mean, if we, if we really think about the ways to generate income and cash flow, you know, there's one approach, which is, you know, just invest in like dividend stocks and interest, you know, and, and the reality of it is, at least what I see, most clients don't have enough money to just live off of dividends and interest. They have to tap into principal because they 
maybe in their case, they haven't built up a big enough balance sheet. Maybe the, the ultra high net worth can just live on dividends and interest, but most people are tapping into principal. And so when you tap into principal, you have the ability to then look at like a drawdown approach, of course, which is, you know, like where we would use a product like a fixed indexed annuity or a stable portfolio. And we're taking part principal and interest out via on an annuity penalty free withdrawals on a portfolio, of course, just normal systematic withdrawals or distributions out mm -hmm. and kind of depleting or drawing that principal and interest down over time. But then the other viable approach, you know, that certainly has been put on the map by individuals like Tom Hagna and Professor Wade Fow is this whole idea of creating a floor, creating lifetime income. You know, Tom says it's the paychecks and playchecks. And I know, you know, Walter, you're another one that believes in that strategy to really help the right type of client. You know, I'd love to hear in Calum or Walter, this, you know, really to either of you, because, you know, Calum, you see it on a big basis across all advisors at C2P Enterprise. Walter, you're in the weeds with clients on a regular basis. How are you starting to have these conversations or positioning lifetime income, particularly like in today's interest rate environment? Kim, you want to go first? <laughs> you, you want me to go first? You know, I, I think the interest rate environment thing is, is, you know, the story doesn't change, right? Like, like the, the benefits of the guaranteed lifetime income don't change. Yes. Can you not buy quite as much in a lower interest rate environment as you could maybe a few years ago? Sure. But the alternative is you try to wait it out, right? Which, you know, when, when, how long are you going to wait for interest rates to improve? I mean, I've been waiting my entire career. It hasn't happened yet. So, you know, may, maybe at some point it will. But, you know, at, at this point, we have not really seen a steadily rising interest rate environment for, for any length of time. And the other alternative is that, you know, you just, you know, you just buy the income that you need to especially cover like, you know, the Tom Hagna approach, cover that paycheck portion. Maybe you don't buy it for all of your needs. Maybe you have some discretionary that you still, you know, you may maybe, you know, do either a drawdown approach or keep that a little bit more market-based. But I, I think a lot of the interest rate environment is more in the advisor's head than it is in the client's mind. I mean, I really think that's more just an advisor perspective because they've seen it change over time. Whereas for the, the clients that are retiring or getting ready to retire, you know, for them, this, this is all new, basically. I mean, this is not a concept that they've been thinking about for years. And, you know, I, I just want to touch, I was on a call with one of our advisors the other day and he was like, you know, I'm just kind of struggling right now because none of these annuities out there really excite me. He said, is there anything that just really excites you? And I said, annuities don't excite me at all in the first place. Just like my client's social security statement doesn't excite me and their pensions don't excite me. I said, annuities aren't supposed to be the exciting part of the portfolio, right? It's the foundational piece that we can then add the exciting components too, because we've taken some of the, you know, lifetime, the, the sequence of returns risk, the cash flow risk, the longevity risk off the table. And so kind of to your point, it's like good interest rates, bad interest rates. You got to focus on what you're doing with the vehicle, which is essentially purchasing a pension for as long as that client's. Yeah. And, you know, and I obviously client health plays into it, right? Like if, if you, you know, you, you know, like if you have a client that has longevity on their side, most likely their parents are, have lived into their eighties and nineties, they've taken very good care of themselves. Like we know they're going to win the long game anyway, right? Like they're, they're going to probably come out ahead of the curve. 
if somebody is, is in the opposite situation, may, maybe that's where you don't look as, as much at lifetime income. I would still argue there's a, there's a, a behavioral, you know, you know, just a, uh, a peace of mind that's always going to come with it that, that you can't really replicate again, kind of going back to that happiness factor. Um, but, you know, I do think that, you know, I, I, especially with clients nowadays, like I'm looking at, you know, is, is longevity, you know, something that we should be concerned with? And, you know, are you going to take this, you know, have an income for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years, then, then this makes a lot more sense than if maybe you're in poorer health. And, you know, the reality is maybe it is only 10 or 15 years, but you also got to factor in the spouse. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things to always consider. And it's, again, I always comes down to what's best for this client, right? Like what, what's the best fit for this client? Some clients, it's going to be more drawdown approach. Some clients, it's going to be lifetime income floor. And some clients, it's going to be dependent on, on their balance sheet. You know, they just, they may, they may have to lean one approach or the other because of their balance sheet. Absolutely. Any thoughts on that, Walter? Yeah, I think a couple of phenomenons that are occurring, you know, if, we, if, if you read Dr. Fowle's latest book on the safe retirement that he talked about, one of the phenomenons I thought was fantastic was to remind us that as interest rates are lower today than they've ever been, and I would argue me being probably the oldest on this call, we've, we've never really lit, worked in an environment with high interest rates, right? It's been a steady decrease since we've been in the business. But there was a time where grandma and grandpa put their money into a CD or a bond, and they just used the interest or the coupons to live, and then they passed that principle on to their heirs, right? And that was a pretty simple way to retire. Now that that's disappearing or is gone, we really are relying on capital gains or the growth of the markets as the income now, as opposed to interest rates. And that now exposes us to a dramatically different kind of volatility risk than we've ever had before. It's not interest rates that I can live on or CD interest rates that I can live on anymore. It is now the gains of the markets, which is an unknown and can be a very bumpy ride. And so creating these floors is going to be very important for people to be able to navigate that. And we also forget that in lower interest rate environments, it's probably very real that the safe withdrawal rate's a lot lower than we're actually giving it credit. Uh, if you talk to Dr. Fow, he'll, he'll argue with you that it could be down in you know, the mid 2.7% 2, 2. You know, ranges when we're in lower interest rate environments. So what that really means is that the amount of capital required for me to create an income stream is dramatic. If I, you know, and if I, even if I have the balance sheet, the inefficiency of tying up a lot more money to create an income is less efficient for people. Right. So if I want to have $100,000 of income at a 3% withdrawal rate, that's a tremendously different story than if I was to get a 4 5 or 6% withdrawal rate in terms of the capital that's required. Because the capital that's not required for income can now safely be in the markets, can safely now be a philanthropic event. It could be, you know, or it could even just be more income. So if we take the approach of, you know, kind of that corporate thinking, we want as efficient income as possible. And the more efficient we are with it, the more funds we have to do other things with. And honestly, that is a big mental shift for people to get their heads around, right? I think that's the biggest issue people face is trying to understand the balance between you know, what they think of liquidity, they think of as income, and, you know, and what's the truth around what a safe withdrawal rate is. It's kind of this invisible thing that year to year doesn't really, you know, I don't see the importance of it. But when that first drop, you know, that big market drop happens, which we, you know, we haven't really seen in a sustained way for a while, you know, then they're going to appreciate what that 3% withdrawal rate is for. But if I have a, you know, a 5% floor on my income, then I'm immune to that. And I didn't need nearly as many dollars to create that same income level. And I think that's what this income for life is all about. Absolutely. You know, it was interesting. I think it's a lot on the advisor mindset and the client mindset also 
we did a panel discussion at one of our more recent trainings and Tim Claremont, another you know top advisor with us, Walter, I know, I believe you know Tim also up there in the Pacific Northwest with you. But uh, Tim was sharing that he uses lifetime income on almost all of his clients. And I was, you know, we were just talking and I said, you know, really, you know, tell me why. Not in like a que- questioning why he did it, but just wanting to know, you know, his opinion. And essentially he basically said he thinks the insurance companies have mortality priced wrong at this point. He thinks that people are honestly going to live into their hundreds, 105. And right now they're pricing actuarially life expectancies at a lower number. And he's just a very optimistic person. He thinks with medical technology advancements, we live in you know a society that values healthcare in a big way. Money is being spent like crazy to continue to try to cure diseases. You know, you have all this effort out there. And he was like, I want my clients to have these contractual guarantees early on, because if I wait five or 10 years, who knows what medical advancements are going to be made even more that are going to continue to prolong life expectancy. And I thought that was a really interesting, you know, conversation and way to look at it and, you know, overall insight, because you might have clients who share some of those similar views on the world especially as they've accumulated more money. More money means you have better access to better healthcare traditionally. Exactly. And so, or, or private programs and healthcare and fitness and all the other things that go along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that mortality creates enormous. Like if we start, you know, there's people that argue that we shouldn't start lifetime income early because they're worried about, you know, the interest rates or things like that. But the reality is the sooner we get to the mortality credit component, <laughs> the more dollars are being subsidized by someone else to, to, you know, to handle my retirement. And so, you know, and then the other part, you know, the beautiful thing about the bucket strategy is that when you when you draw down that, maybe that first 10 years, don't be afraid to go back around and say, now's the time for lifetime income because I'm yeah. 10 years older and it's going to cost way fewer dollars for me to now turn that, that soon bucket into a forever bucket. And now the income component is handled. So, you know, so there's lots of flexibility in terms of how to design this. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if the client is young, doesn't want to tie up those dollars yet, then we'll just do a drawdown. But later on, they may be surprised by how efficient we can now create their own private pension at that point for their income needs uh, going forward. That's, that's a great point, Walter. And I, again, I also think it goes to like, you know, your first few years of retirement income are always the most difficult, right? Like, because, you, you, you know, you may have Social Security starting later or, you know, you, you purposely delayed it or you have met you know, you're not on Medicare yet or one of the spouses is not on Medicare yet you know, but by the first 10 years, you pretty much figured it out, right? You figured out your expenses, you figured out your, what you really spend on a monthly basis. You've probably gotten those big bucket list travel plans out of the way. So I, I think that's a great time to now look at. You probably can, you know, really precisely kind of figure out exactly what you need on a monthly basis and, and build that now as a lifetime income. And to your point, being 10 years older, it, it's now cheaper. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I always, and, and I think it was Tom Hagna that maybe was the first person I heard this from. I've heard it from many people over the years, but, you know, especially with where bonds are at right now, like in the first quarter, we saw a pretty big drop in bonds. I think the long-term bonds fell like 10 to 12%. In the second quarter, you know, we saw a lowering of interest rates that I don't think people really expected and an increase in bond returns. But the reality of it is, I think to everyone's agreement, you know, we're probably going to be in a lower interest rate environment for a while, just for the, the Fed to even support the amount of debt that we have to get us through this pandemic crisis. 
But, you know, I think, I think, like I said, Hagno was the first person I heard this from with the lifetime income annuity, you're essentially buying a triple A rated or a double A rated bond with a double B rated yield. And I think looking at that as the bond replacement, I know I, I run a lot of portfolio analytics. And even when I look at our own portfolios at Valor, for example, of course, the bonds are valuable if you need more liquidity, right? It gives you a place to be able to take additional withdrawals from without penalty free or surrender charges or anything like that. It also gives you value to a rebalancing process if markets get volatile. But to be able to substitute out a portion of those bonds to put in a lifetime income annuity, I think, you know, again, more and more academics are gravitating. We saw Roger Ibbotson come out with a study on this. I can't remember the gentleman's name over at Stanford. He came out with a big study on this as well. And I, I, it, just, it just works, right? It's diversification. It's not just sticking with this three asset class portfolio of cash, bonds, and equities. It's you know, now looking at offloading some of that bond risk to the insurance company. And Walter, in your book, you open it up by talking about like the whole world was in this like divide, right? Like the, the civil war between the insurance company and Wall Street and the reality of it is, if you're a holistic advisor, you need to be looking at both of those within a client's plan. You just have to be. And to your point, Walter, it creates more efficiency. Yeah, that's right. I think too bad, too many times it's either or. And a lot of that has comes down to licensing and just how people practice. But sometimes I've also been with advisors where it's how they get paid. You know, a person who's an AUM focused may not want to give dollars up to an annuity because they don't get paid us the same way. And, and of course, if your insurance you know, then you, everything looks like should be annuities to you. So we really have to, you know, kind of put that fiduciary hat on and just say, look, we need to show our clients all the options, right? Even if it's not to your economic, you know, benefit, we got to show them all the choices will be better for it. And I think we have to also always be cognizant of what's the economic environment we're in, because it's way different than it was 10 years ago. And it'll be 10, and 10 years will be different again. And so we, we have all these tools at our disposal and we should not be afraid to use them in the right economic environments, right? We're in a low rate interest rate environment. We haven't seen this ever probably in our working careers of where this is at this point. And it could be 20 years from now, maybe we're back in the teens again, like we were you know, in the 1980s. And maybe we'll be having a completely different conversation about annuities and things at that point. But I think we have to just do a really good job of understanding every financial vehicle has a job it can do and can be valuable if it's done in the right uh, combination with a, a holistic plan. Absolutely. So, Caleb, as we go to conclude here, you know, you you know these products like the back of your hand. You support our advisors. You lead our business development team. Is there anything you're seeing from like a development standpoint? Kind of going to that conversation I shared earlier. I, I generally don't get excited about annuities, but you know, and I believe in them. I use them all the time, but but they don't. You know, are there any like features, benefits, things that advisors should be looking at? Things advisors might you know, want to stay away from carriers that you're seeing are really starting to win more market share in the lifetime guaranteed income space. We know we have like a subset for the drawdown that a lot of us use. It's yeah. pretty much Allianz, FNG, Athene, and now American Equity just launched a really competitive product that is great for another option to be able to have a diversified approach where we can do 10% penalty-free withdrawals of the initial deposit, not the accumulation. 
But on the lifetime income, are there any kind of go-tos or anyone that's just winning market share that all of our advisors need to pick up the phone and have a conversation with you and your team on? Yeah, I mean, I'd say I've seen three trends, Dave. I mean, I'm old enough to where I remember when the first income rider was added to to the fixed index annuity space. So I was was actually there for that, unfortunately. But, you know, I I would say guaranteed income is kind of declined. You know, 10 years ago, Everyone was selling an FIA, better for good or for bad, with with an income rider benefit on it. You know, some kind of guaranteed withdrawal benefit rider. I'm not seeing that as much. I think I think we're seeing a lot more diversification. Uh, obviously, with with our approach, that the drawdown is, is a big piece of that. But you know, the the people that are buying lifetime income, I think they're looking a lot more at you know, is this income going to have the opportunity to increase? So you know, obviously, we've seen a lot of business go. Uh, to Allianz, specifically to like the, the new product they launched last year, the ABC, uh, the Allianz Benefit Control Annuity, because it offers that increasing income opportunity each and every year, which can make it more attractive, especially if Tim Claremont's right. And, you know, 105 is a new 85, then, then you know, that increasing income opportunity can, can have a huge impact over, over 25, 30 years. And then we're also seeing a lot of products priced for kind of, kind of what Walter said earlier, where maybe the first 10 years, you're, you're doing more of a drawdown approach. And then that, that second 10 years, you're, you're now looking at it like a guaranteed lifetime pension, um, as we call it. And so you're seeing a lot of products priced for like a 10-year deferral followed by income. Again, Allianz kind of blazed the trail with the 222, but we've seen um, now a theme follow suit. F&G has a very similar concept. American Equity product, they just launched, same exact setup. So you know, for somebody that has that 10-year runway, and you, you know, really it's kind of setting up that future pension, whether that's the second half of their income plan in retirement, or maybe they're in their, their early 50s to mid 50s now, and they have that runway ahead of them. I mean, there's a lot of pricing benefits to giving, you know, the insurance company that deferral period uh, before starting income. So I, I'd say those are the main things that, that I've seen is just, you know, and, and again, we've, we've talked about kind of the same companies, but, you know, we're seeing Allianz, F&G, you know, American equity uh, now, again, be very, very price focused on, on getting into that market. They kind of been priced out a little bit for a while. You know, just just kind of the main carriers I've seen my entire career are, are really just they're, they're just a steady, constantly there, constantly, you know, kind of top five and, and, and you know, there for your clients, more importantly. And I've seen some some updates too, even in the implementation from a financial planner perspective. It seems like with some of the lifetime income annuities out right now. And again, when we're talking about these, we're generally talking about fixed indexed annuities. Again, you know, we're seeing more consistency and pricing and predictability and reliability with the fixed chassis. And, you know, particularly the fee drag, right? With the traditional variable annuity with lifetime income benefits or death benefits, you, you can sometimes look at two and a half, three, three and a half percent a year in fees, whereas the FIAs are much lower, you know, particularly in an environment where clients are very, you know, fee centric. But it seemed like from an implementation side, even a lot more of these products allow you to elect joint or uh, single payout at the time you take income yeah, versus, yeah. you know, the olden days we had to do it. You had to kind of pick at time of issue, which is a big improvement from a financial planning perspective. Yeah, we, we were talking about this morning, actually, with, with American, our, our rep with American Equity. And it's like, imagine you picked a, you got a pension from your employer 35 years ago. And when you got that pension, before you were even married, you had to choose single or joint. Like, it, it wouldn't make any sense. So, 
You know, there's a lot more flexibility these days than, than there ever has been before. I know there's some advisors out there that maybe have been, you know, burned by, by certain products or companies in the past, but, you know, there's just so much innovation that's, I know it's not sexy, I know it's not fun, but there's just constant innovation in, in the annuity space as well. And, you know, I, I'd say, I mean, the products that are available today are, are, you know, so much more client centric than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Awesome. Well, hey guys, I appreciate both you joining us. Also, if you liked this podcast, if you liked this episode with Walter, about a year ago, he joined me on the Bucket Plan On Demand and did an amazing job explaining life insurance. Walter's one of the top life insurance advisors in the United States also. I've learned so much from him on that side. We talked about positioning different types of insurance, whole life and other types and how he uses it in some just great vocabulary and language. Uh, I still use the you know rainy day and sunny day stuff. And so Walter, again, thanks for sharing so much wisdom with our group here. That is available on our website. You can reach out to our biz- your business development partner at C2P. If you want to grab a copy of that, they can send it over to you. And as always, I appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Take care, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.